happy Thanksgiving to all of you. And um, I hope you have reasons to give thanks in spite of the restrictions. I'm sure there is. So, and we will see that shortly. So good to see you. We like to welcome everyone that is uh, regular, everyone that is visiting. And um, we pray that the Lord will bless you as we look into his word. And um, hopefully the Spirit of God will take the word of God and plant it into your heart and transform your life. So I hope this is working, right? Is this mic working? It's good? All right. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you for the privilege to be here this morning. We thank you for Jesus Christ, our great Savior. He loved us and he gave himself for us. I pray that, Lord, you will guide my words and my thoughts, that they will bring glory to you. I pray that it will be a blessing to everyone that is here today physically and to everyone that is listening online. I ask that, Father, you will direct every facet of what we do. Our goal is to bring glory to Jesus Christ. And I pray that he will be the only one that is seen as we look into your word. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so happy Thanksgiving, and I have titled my message, More Than Conquerors Through Him That Loved Us. So I'm going to be looking into Romans chapter 8, from the first verse to the last verse, and um, it's going to be mostly a survey I hope to give you four good reasons to be thankful for the freedoms that we have in Christ. And um, I pray that the Spirit of God takes it and then plants it to your heart. In John chapter 8, Jesus said this word. If the Son shall set you free. You shall be free indeed. So we're going to talk about the freedoms that we have as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's read. I'm going to read just a, a snippet of the book, but I will encourage you to make reading Romans chapter 8 your project for this week. It will bless your heart. Verse 1 to 5. I'm reading from the ESV. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law Weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. I jump to verse 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God, as sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, 
but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. So I jump down to verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor debt, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, I want to be able to give you reason to be thankful by looking at scriptures. And I, I want to at least outline this morning four wonderful freedoms that we have in Christ. So if you're a believer, uh, this will hopefully bless you. So Romans chapter 8 is uh, the declaration of freedom that the believer has in Jesus Christ. I know there's lots of freedom in Canada. We are free to gather and worship. That's a good thing. And uh, we are free to vote. Rulers are not imposed on us. We vote them in and we vote them out. That's another freedom. We are free to do many things. But above all of this freedom is the freedom or the spiritual freedom that we have as believers in Christ. It's my humble opinion that Romans chapter 8 is at least one of the greatest chapters in one of the greatest books, Romans, that was written by one of the greatest missionaries, Paul. So it's written to Christians. And uh, it, the freedom there doesn't apply to everybody. So if, if you are not a believer, it's not yours. 
you have to be a believer. It's for the citizens of heaven, if you are a believer. Because our Father is in heaven, our Savior is in heaven, our names are written in heaven, and our home is in heaven. So we have to think that way in order to enjoy life. So the Romans chapter 8, it's a declaration of heavenly blessings that the believer is supposed to enjoy while you're on earth. So let's highlight four freedoms. I want to make sure at least that you know that you get that. So verses one to four. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So we call that freedom from judgment. No judgment, no condemnation. For the believer. Now, when we become believers, you will realize that there are struggles, the inner struggles that happen because the old nature fights against the new nature. And so there is this struggle against in the old nature fighting against the new nature. And uh, verses 5 to 17 tells us another freedom that we have. We are supposed to walk in victory and not in defeat. So we call that freedom from defeat. It talks about the inner struggles that we have. That's what those verses are about. For example, in verse 12, it says this. If you look at verse 12, it says, So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the flesh, you will live. So freedom from defeat. That's the second freedom. Freedom from defeat. So I've said freedom from judgment and freedom from defeat. So I want you to keep that in mind. No condemnation for the believer. So it's free from judgment. And let's just say no obligation to the flesh. So you are free from defeat. It is not necessary for the believer to live in sin. We can have victory over sin. Now, verses 18 to 30 deals with the problem of sufferings. And we know there's a lot of suffering in this world. If you are sincere, you will have to admit that there is a lot of suffering in this world. At a personal level, at a home level, at a national level, worldwide. So, and suffering by its very nature brings discouragement. It brings uh, anxiety and discouragement. So verses 18 to 30 deals with the problem of suffering and the problem in the world. But there's also another freedom that is there. For example, if we read verse 18, just verse 18, let's make sure I have it. Because I like to read it. It says this. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory to be revealed to us. So, I like to call that freedom from discouragement in spite of suffering. No frustrations for the believer. We know that God is in control and we know that God is in control of the things that happen in the world. And we know that all things are working together for our good. So there is no defeat for the believer. So there is freedom 
from discouragement. So, uh, you will find out that as I'm speaking this morning, I'm going to repeat myself over and over and over and over again. So don't get upset and want that nothing else to say is because I want you to remember. When you step out, I want it to be ringing in your head. There is no condemnation. Freedom from judgment. There is no obligation. Freedom from defeat. And there is no frustration. Freedom from discouragement. So I'm going to be repeating myself over and over again. And all of this is because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now if we go to verses 31 to 39... It talks about the future. It says, no, mat- no matter where you look into the future, don't be afraid. That's what he's saying. Because there is no separation between the heart of God and the heart of his people. God loves us by sending his son. He loves us as we speak. And he always will love us, regardless of what we face. So, verses 31 to 39 deals with freedom from fear. There is no separation between us and God. So, four wonderful freedoms. Freedom from judgment. There is therefore now no condemnation. Freedom from defeat. There is no obligation to the flesh. We don't have to walk in sin. Freedom from discouragement. In spite of the sufferings, there is no frustration. And freedom from fear. There is no separation from God when you are a child of God. So let's uh, dive in a little bit more. Romans 8, verses 1 to 4. Freedom from judgment. Now, if we go back to Romans 8, verses 1 to 4, you realize that the problem is found in the little word law. Verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life has set me free in Christ from the law of sin and death. So the word law means that God has certain standards or expectations that we have to meet. And none of us is able to meet those standards. Now when you Read the book of Romans, Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 2, Romans chapter 3. You realize that uh, it's virtually as if you are in a courtroom and the Lord God calls certain defendants. In Romans chapter 1, he calls the first defendants to come and defend himself. These are the pagan rebellious sinners standing before God and before the law of God. And then weighing their lives and their action against the law of God. And the conclusion is guilty. And so in chapter 2 of Romans, he calls a different set of defendants. The self-righteous sinners. You know there are some sinners that are self-righteous. And then he reads them, reads to them the catalog of offenses against God and the same conclusion is reached. Guilty. And in chapter 3, he calls the religious sinners. And again, the same conclusion is reached. They are all guilty. And so by the time you get to the end of Romans chapter 3, It's the conclusion is that the whole world is guilty before God. There is no one that is righteous. All, everyone is guilty. I know that if you are like me, I like to compare myself against other people. And when I wear myself, I feel, hmm, I'm better than all the, uh, some of the people that come to church. I'm better than some of my co-workers 
uh, probably better than some of those in my household. And so I like to compare myself against other people, and that makes me feel good. But in the book of Romans, God measures us by the right, his righteous laws, not by the standard that we've set. And he says every one of us, regardless of race, regardless of creed, regardless of religion, regardless of belief, we are all guilty. So what do I need to do? I need God's righteousness. In verses 1 to 4 of Romans chapter 8, God says this righteousness is made available to me through Jesus Christ. You see, the picture here is of Jesus coming to die for my sins. In order for God to declare that I'm not guilty, two things have to happen. The first one is that he has to do something about my sin. And the second thing is that he has to give me a righteousness that will never fail. Not just do something about my sin, but a righteousness that will never fail. When I look at the record of my sin, I have to say I am guilty. All of us are. So something has to be done. So what did God do? He sent his son. He sent his son, we read, in the likeness of sinful man and for sin. Jesus came as a man, went to the cross, and bore my sin and your sin. And as a result of that, if I believed in him, God forgives my sin. But that's not enough. Because if God only forgives my sin, it means the next time I sin, I'll be guilty. So he has to do more. He has to give me a righteousness that will never fail. So God did one more thing. He gave me a righteousness that will never fail. He gave me the righteousness of his son. For he made him that knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So when you trust Jesus as your Savior, your sin is washed away, and you are given the righteousness of Christ. That's very important. That's why it says, there is therefore now no condemnation. Because when God looks at me, he sees his son. No condemnation, no judgment, free from guilt. It's a marvelous thing to have your conscience washed free of sin. And that's why the believer can say with confidence, I am free from judgment. No condemnation because I have the righteousness of Christ. The Lord Jesus said this in John chapter 5, verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. For the Christian, there is no condemnation. We have received Christ's righteousness. So freedom from judgment, no condemnation. That's a marvelous thing. To stand before the creator of the universe, the one that the judge of the universe to be free of guilt and condemnation and judgment and sin, it's a marvelous thing. And the only thing we can say, praise the one who made the end to all of my sin. And so let's sing together, boldly I approach. Standing as you are able. Standing as you are able. 
grace alone somehow I stand Where even angels fear to tread Invited by redeeming love Before the throne of God above He pulls me close With nail-scarred hands Into His everlasting arms When condemnation grips my heart Satan tempts me to despair. I hear the voice that scared us fear. Oh, the great I am, the Lord is dear. Oh, praise the one who fights for me. Shields my soul eternally. Boldly I approach your throne. Blameless now I'm running on. By your blood I come. Welcome. It's spotless righteousness Oh, a thousand years A thousand tongues Are not enough to sing His praise Holy I approach Your
The believer is free from judgment. There is no condemnation. That's a wonderful freedom that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. In Romans, Paul moves to tell us about the second freedom. Freedom from defeat. After we are saved as believers, there's a battle. The battle that goes on. When you trust Jesus as your Savior and receive the Holy Spirit of God, the old nature fights the new nature. You see, God doesn't save us and then leave us limping along. He doesn't do that until we get to heaven. He wants to get heaven to us, to live the best life that we can. So in verses 5 to 17, Paul says that the believer has no obligation to live to the flesh. It is not necessary for the Christian to sin. You can say, God, you know, I'm just made this way. This is just who I am. If you are a believer, and I can't help myself. You know, I just have to lie. I just have to do whatever the sin is. You can't say that. None of us is obligated to live to the flesh. God has made provision for our victory. Just as he made provision for us in giving us his righteousness, he has made provision for our victory over the old nature in giving us his spirit. The answer to the problem of living in victory is the Holy Spirit of God. In verses 5 to 17 of the book of Romans, the Holy Spirit is mentioned at least 12 times. As you read the passage, you see we have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit has two wonderful ministries that he performs. Number one, he helps us not to do bad things. Number two, he helps us to do good things. Verse 13 of Romans chapter 8. The Holy Spirit of God can help us not to do bad things. In verse 13 we read, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But notice. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So, the Holy Spirit can help us to put to death the deeds of the body. So, um, the old uh, order translation will say you mortify, you put to death the, heat of, the deeds of the body. So the Holy Spirit of God helps us not to do bad things. It helps us to put to death the deeds of the flesh. In Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for us. The Spirit of God can grant us the grace, the enablement not to do bad things. So it is not necessary for the believer to live in sin. You have to count on the Spirit of God to help you to live above sin. So, we have no obligation to the flesh, and the Spirit can help us. It's the one that enables us to live above defeat. It can also enable us to do good things. That's why we have things that are called the fruits of the Spirit. 
For the law of the spirit of life, that's what it says in verse 2, the fruit of the spirit. We can count on the spirit of God to bring alive the life of God, the good things. So it is not necessary for the believer to live in defeat. And that's important to know. We can't have excuses for not living above sin or living in victory because we have the spirit of God. That's what has been provided for our victory. So freedom from defeat. No obligations to the flesh. That's number two. No condemnation. Freedom from judgment. No obligation to the flesh. Freedom from defeat. Point number two. It's already 12. Not good. But the preacher has to move faster. Freedom number three. Let's repeat. The believer is free from judgment. No condemnation. That's what it says. What is the answer to condemnation? The answer is the righteousness of God. Freedom from defeat. No obligation. The answer is the spirit of God. The third one is freedom from discouragement. No frustration. Why? Why? The answer is the glory of God. I'd like you to see with me in verse 18. He says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. The sufferings of the present times. Did you notice that Paul says sufferings? Not one. He admits that the world is in a mess. There's all kinds of sufferings. You have to pretend or pretend to be blind to see that there is no suffering. There is all kinds of sufferings. Earthquakes, famines, and uh, all kinds of disasters that happen. Calamities. Apart from this, they are suffering. People die just when they are young. Babies get deformed. And then you can hear the unbeliever say, hey, or the atheist will say, there is no God. If there is God, this will not be happening. But the believer will say, aha, there has to be God. There has to be. Because God did not make the world like this. God made the world perfect. But sin came into the world and sin has put the world in bondage. We are seeing the effect of sin. A perfect world was created, but sin came in. So all of creation is in bondage. Verse 22 talks about the groaning of creations. That's why you need to read the book of Romans, because I don't really have time to read it. Verse 23 talks about the fact that we groan, we groan for the redemption of our bodies. Everything around us is falling apart, you have to admit. But the believer knows that all things are working together for good. Even COVID. Terrible COVID. There are all things. It doesn't say all things that happen to you, but all things in the world are working together for our good. Even COVID. And that the Lord is in control. And so in the midst of sufferings, in the midst of seemingly difficult circumstances, the believer can have encouragement because there is glory to come. He knows that the world is not the end, that there is a future that lies beyond the suffering that we see. And so Paul says, for I consider that the suffering of this present age are not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed. We know where we are going. 
So there is no frustration. We know where history is heading. We know that Christ will return and we will share in his glory. And we know that God, the Lord Jesus, is coming for us. He has given us the down payment of his spirit. So we know where history is heading, that the Lord Jesus is coming back. And so there is no frustration for the believer or discouragement. He doesn't have to look down. He needs to look up. He needs to look beyond the sufferings and see the glory that will be revealed. So there is freedom from discouragement. No frustration. In the midst of difficult circumstances, the believer knows that the Lord is in control. So, no condemnation. There is no judgment. The answer is the righteousness of God. No defeat. <clears throat> Sorry. Freedom from defeat. No obligation. The answer is the Spirit of God. Freedom from discouragement. No frustration. The answer is the glory of God. The glory to be revealed. So, three freedoms. And um, perhaps we can sing. There is coming a day. And uh, I think that will at least sum up what I was trying to say, just in case you didn't, um, I didn't say it well enough. There is coming a day. Standing as you are able, let's sing together, there is coming a day. I only have one more point and we will be done.
So Paul comes to the climax of this chapter and highlights the fourth freedom. Freedom from fear. The fear of the future. People are afraid of the future. Some are afraid of demons, afraid of other people. And Paul comes to the climax of this chapter and says this. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? It's important to remember that as believers, God is for us. The one that made the universe, the one that controls all things, the one that holds all things is for us. That's always important to remember. Because sometimes people are against you or circumstances seem to be against you. So you have to remember that God is for us. You see, in our first freedom, freedom from judgment, the answer is the righteousness of God. In our second freedom, freedom from defeat, the answer is the spirit of God. In our third freedom, freedom from discouragement, the answer is the glory of God. In our fourth freedom, freedom from fear, the answer is the love of God. When a child knows that he's loved by his father, he doesn't worry about the future. I have an eight-year-old. He doesn't worry about the future. When a wife knows that a husband loves her, she doesn't worry about the future either. So, it's a tremendous thing. Paul begins with no condemnation and ends with no separation. So let's read this verse together because it's important to read scripture. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, the most important person to God, he did not spare him, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? And then he goes. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. He says, no, no, in all these things. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Apostle Paul invented the word super conqueror. Just to let you know that we are more than victorious through him that loved us. And then he goes on. For I am persuaded that neither death, that is the greatest enemy all of us will face, Neither death is the last enemy and the greatest enemy that we face. Nor life, nor angels, nor rulers. That's the devil and his cohorts. And um, nor things present, nor things to come, the future. Nor past, nor height, nor depth. Just to be sure that he didn't miss out anything. He says, nor any other thing in all of creation 
shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So Paul begins with no condemnation. That's my past. And then he continues with no obligation, no frustration. That is my present. And then he goes on with no separation. That's my future. He gives me the righteousness of God, the spirit of God, and the glory of God, and the love of God. So as believers, we are perfectly adequate by God's grace to be able to face life. You see, if I look back, and I'm worried about judgment, I have to know that God has given me his righteousness. So I don't need to worry. If I look within, I'm worried about the old nature. He has given me his spirit to give me victory. And if I look around and I'm worried about circumstances, he wants me to look up because he has given me his glory. There is life beyond now. And if I look around and I'm worried about the future, he reminds me that he has given me his love. God has made provision for us. As believers, we are free from judgment. We are free from defeat. We are free from discouragement. And we are free from fear. And you know who did all this for us? Jesus Christ. That's why Paul could write, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Your freedom as a citizen of heaven was purchased by the blood of Christ. When I think of judgment, he died for me. When I think of defeat, he lives in me. And if I think of discouragement, he's coming for me. And when there is fear, I'm reminded in that same book that he's interceding for me. The Lord Jesus is working all things out for me. And on a day like this, all I can say is thank you, Jesus, for dying, living, coming for me, and interceding for me. What shall separate us from the love of God? And Paul had to conclude, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And so there is only one thing to thank God for, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all that we need to face life now and the future. And so it's a wonderful thing to know the Lord. If you don't know the Lord, Today should be your day. Because you want to be free from judgment, from defeat, from discouragement, and from fear. And you cannot be free of those things without the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus loved us. Gave himself for us. Lives in us. is coming for us. Intercedes for us. There is no condemnation. He died for me, I have his righteousness. There is no obligation, he lives in me, I have his spirit. There is no frustration, he's coming for me, I have his glory. And there is no separation, he's interceding for me. I'm experiencing his love. I believe if you meditate on these things, you will find real joy in the midst of difficulty. No wonder Paul said, if God be for us, who can be against us? We are more than conquerors through Christ. And so that is the song we are going to sing as we close this morning. And I want you when you go home, or as you ponder on this Thanksgiving, thank God for only one person, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. I just pray that you help us to be thankful for your son because it's all that we need for all that we face. I pray for anyone here that doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ that he will come to know him as his Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so more than conquerors and we are done.
standing as you are able. the power in a vein. 
Thanksgiving. Thank you.